passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And last but not least, this guy. The game, 14-time world champion. This man has single-handedly changed this business. He runs this business. This man is this business. 14-time world champion. There is nothing, nothing that this man hasn't done in this business except beat me. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind the Smackdown. Rewind the Smackdown. Rewind the Smackdown. Rewind the Smackdown. Welcome, everybody, to Rewind to SmackDown. I am John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. Hi, Wei. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing swell. How is how is the new place? You have internet now? Yes, yes, yes. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I feel I feel kind of back up to a hundred percent and uh, connected with the world. That's that's fantastic. We're glad to have you connected. You are doing fine. YouTube is not. YouTube has been down all night. Are you aware of this? Uh, I, I was only made aware right now, actually, uh, because I was actually on YouTube. I was watching the latest being the elitist as, as late as uh, seven o'clock before SmackDown today. So uh, what when, what exactly happened? I don't know what has caused this, but the number two most visited website in the world has been down for hours. Even embedded videos on any links you go to, it's just code or a broken link. It's kind of I, I don't unusual. know what the issue is. I haven't even looked it up of what the issue is with YouTube. But I mean, the, I thought when I first saw it was down, it's like, okay, this is going to be 10 minutes max. YouTube will be back up. But they've been down all night. Yeah. So now, now I go and it looks like it is fine, actually, as we speak. Well, can you play a video, though? Let's see. Let's go. Yeah. Video is playing. Oh, so it's back. Okay. So. But I am on our site where we've got videos embedded, and they are not uh, displaying the video. So I don't know if this is a problem that is – oh, there. Now it is fixed. So I guess it – I think it's just been fixed in the past five or ten minutes. That's pretty – I had been watching it, this. It's pretty damn quick of them, you know, those Googlers. They're really smart at this stuff. This is their business. Mm-hmm. So, well, we have lots to discuss. We are going to be going into SmackDown 1000. Way has braved it through another week of the Mixed Match Challenge. I can't believe you are still going strong here in the Mixed Match Challenge. Has it been all you have hoped it would have been with this round-robin tournament as opposed to a single elimination tournament that they did prior? 
Has it been what I'd hoped it to be? I don't know this what is, I exactly hoped it to be. So I don't know. Something in your head decided I'm going to review this every week. So I'm hoping that that same push that gave you the impetus to review this is still there for you. You still have that excitement when 10 o'clock hits. Mm, I don't know about that. Oh. Well, that's quite the endorsement. Are you aware that the the Connors was debuting tonight going up against SmackDown? He what? revamped Roseanne. I didn't even know that was happening. Wow. Yes, the show was saved. Roseanne is gone. And now it's the Connors. I have not watched it yet because I was watching SmackDown. How are they explaining her absence? I don't know. She was going in for knee surgery. So, I mean, I'll I'll watch this at some point tomorrow. But I'm assuming they killed her off. Or maybe she just disappeared. Like during knee surgery, she would have died? I don't know. What else are they going to do? Wow, that's quite sad. Death from knee surgery. What a way to go. Well, I wonder if they'll keep it open-ended, and then at some point she will come back onto the show. I doubt it. Well, we'll see. That was going on on Tuesday night. What else do we have going on? In news? Fun today? Yeah, just just in in general today. What'd you do? What'd you do when you woke up today? Honestly. your first action? Um, I made some, uh, <laughs> I made some breakfast. That was What'd really it. Um, Pancakes? Cere- I had some cereal, actually, oh. and some strawberries in the cereal. In the cereal? Yeah. I went pretty wild. wild. I know. Yeah. Well, that, that sounds fun. And I waited. I've for explained the- to you, I was never a cereal person. I've never had it in my life. You've never had cereal in your life? Nope. Um, so what would you do for breakfast? I'd have some fruit. I I would have whatever. What's whatever? Just, I never was a big breakfast person. Uh, throughout high school and university, I, I typically would, would skip breakfast, to be quite honest with you. Mm. You know, you grab a bagel here and there, uh, a muffin, banana, just something. Just something that, like, gets your uh, motor running, I guess. I'm, so, uh, I'm amazed that you've never had that. Never had cereal. I looked at it. I'm like, nah, I don't want that. Doesn't look uh, all that appealing. Maybe we'll get you to try it one of these days. No. No. I think I've gone 34 years without it. I don't think I've missed much. But there's more there for you now, Way. Your strawberries sound tremendous. Like, that sounds that sounds good. I'd have the strawberries. Okay. Well, you come over, um, and we'll do that up. No one ever meets up for breakfast. That's not really a big big thing. Meeting for breakfast. I mean, not with you, I guess. Let's get into this news. Are you ready for some news, Way? I I think I am. Yeah. Have you followed any news today? Um, a bit. Sure. Okay. Well, you might know the answer to this, but I'm going to try it anyway. Okay. okay. If you could name any person that has wrestled for the WWE that would come out publicly and support the WWE going to Saudi Arabia with this show. Who would you think it would be? John Bradshaw Layfield. Correct. $100 for waiting. Selecting the one man. Probably not the the only one I could I can envision. But if you were just telling me randomly, who's going to be the person that's going to publicly uh, come out in support of going ahead with this show given the circumstances... That would be my number one pick, and he did not let anyone down on Tuesday, going on the Fox Business uh, Network and defending 
the WWE's decision to hold this crown jewel event and bringing up all the past examples of the WWE going overseas to perform uh, shows for the troops. The uh, He brought up the SmackDown episode following 9-11 and said, you don't change a region by isolating it. And the WWE is bringing about change to Saudi Arabia. Mm. That's the reason they're doing this way. Here, all of us have been going off about, you know, this is clearly being influenced by the, this money. Money has nothing to do with it, Way. No. They're change agents. They're going over there to change Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, that was, I feel, certainly the, the line um, from the last my, show. Mind you, even the WWE is not using that line. They're not saying anything about their reasoning for going over there. But, yeah. I mean, th- th- you just have no... It's impossible to defend this unless you are bringing about the money involved. And if you're ignoring that, you're ignoring the story. Well, I, I guess I'd like to ask JBL what exactly, like, you know, what he said has anything to do with what the story is at hand. And that's um, what what seems like the, the death of this journalist. Um, what exactly is the WWE by going there hoping to change when it relates to a story like that? Yeah, and to be fair... The clip that was going around was a one-minute clip of a longer segment. So I don't think most people have seen the entire segment. So I don't want to speak for, you know, what may have been brought up later in the segment. But that was, I mean, the gist of it of him defending this, which I guess if you're, I mean, not the easiest show to defend, but not surprising either, given John Layfield. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it it honestly doesn't surprise me. I, I feel like... But but then again, I, I think there are going to, going to be many people who probably will share his sentiment, and and people that want to probably see the company go over there, uh, who just need any kind of excuse to to believe in, uh, and you know he represents one side. There is a lawsuit that has been filed against Charlotte Flair and her father. Uh, this was reported on Tuesday by TMZ. There were legal documents filed by Ricky Paul Johnson. Ricky's, I'm reading this from TMZ, Ricky's beef is with the book Second Nature, which Rick and Charlotte wrote together and released in September 2017. In his suit, Ricky claims the Flares wrote negatively about his relationship with Charlotte and falsely stated that he is sterile and incapable of fathering children. Ricky and Charlotte, they mentioned, were married from 2010 to 11, Ricky says the allegations in the book have humiliated his family, including his three children, because they're now the subject of ridicule and shame by people who believe the flares. Ricky also claims the book contains, quote, multiple false allegations of physical and or psychological abuse, which he believes he can prove based on police reports and dash cam footage and claims the flares wrongly claimed he was fired from two jobs due to illicit drug use. Uh, So... That is the suit that has been filed. I've read this book. Uh, this this individual, Ricky, uh, is definitely uh, painted as this essentially serial abuser of Ashley Fleer, Charlotte Flair. Uh, he does not come off well in this book at all. And it is pretty much the lowest point of Ashley's life is being married to this individual and overcoming uh, all of these issues that she outlines in the book. So... Um, do you think yeah, he has a is, case? Uh, it's really hard because we're going off of, you know, what uh, Ashley wrote in the book versus he is he is claiming to the contrary. Um, so it's really a case of, you know, one person against the other. Uh, I don't imagine this, this case going very far. I think it's I don't expect it to 
really actually get into a courtroom or anything like that if there's I don't know. It may may just totally be frivolous. I mean that that could be it. Hmm. You never read that book, did you? No. No, I haven't. It's a very interesting book. Uh in particular a lot about Rick talking about uh the last year of his career and then retiring and I I thought Ashley's story is really interesting because she just is an pardon the pun open book in this uh biography about her upbringing and how much her parents' divorce affected her. And when she describes this brief marriage she had to this guy, it was just uh, terrible. Um, and she was she was also married a second time uh, to former TNA wrestler Bram. And uh, she didn't really have negative things to say about him. But this other one, Ricky, uh, seemed like, you know, she outlined like it was just horrible. Like he physically abused her and she had, you know, psychological issues as a result of this relationship it sounded terrible uh in this book but so he's claiming that he has evidence to the contrary of what she's saying that's what this report says that based on police reports and dash cam footage um that That he didn't abuse her yeah um okay i mean i don't know how you can unprove um if that claim is being made, like you may have police reports that have, you know, certain incidents that the exact details are different, but right. I mean, that doesn't, that's not going to cover, you know, how, how many incidents could have happened that did not involve the police hmm. or have dash cam footage attached to it. So uh, I don't know if he has much of a case here. I don't know how far, how far this actually will go. And uh, yeah, the, no one has really commented uh, from the other side at all either. So this has just come out Tuesday. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, I did hear this had been a report that was uh, out last week. And I did hear from one person that confirmed that uh, Chelsea Green has started at the Performance Center down in the WWE. She is uh, considered on the roster now. And I guess it's just a question of when uh she gets onto television, uh, whether it's going to be a long wait or if she'll be on maybe after the next takeover cycle. But I think that's a great uh, pickup for the company. I think she's got, you know, tremendous character work, uh, very good talent. She was another one who was part of All In and now looks to be All In in NXT. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm curious to see what kind of character she portrays. Uh, I wonder if she'll be bringing back, you know, uh, the character she portrayed in TNA. Um I'm assuming she has the rights to it because she's been doing it on the indies. Or will the WWE not be interested and want to do something completely different with her? Uh, But, you know, clearly she's been on their radar for a while, uh, dating back to Tough Enough. So, you know, it it makes total sense. That's an interesting one because that was the whole outline is that you can leave impact with your character. And it was a great character she had. I wonder what, like, do you see that character having legs to it beyond... I I like do because it's like. Different. Do you think it's a limiting character at all? Um, I don't know, I think it depends, like how you uh, explain it and how you where you go with it. So I don't think any character is really. I, I I think it makes her stand out. Quite frankly, she could just be another blonde on the roster, but I don't think the roster needs that right now. And it could have been her and Sue Young on Sunday had she stuck around in Impact. Yeah, really. Yeah, and. Uh, one MMA note, 
Eddie Alvarez, uh, his contract was up in after his fight with Dustin Poirier in July. He has signed with one championship out of Asia. They have just gotten a huge infusion of investment capital. And Eddie Alvarez is the biggest signing uh, this promotion has ever made. Uh, this was announced uh, late on Monday night that he's going to be leaving the UFC, going to one championship. And this is someone who has had some really big fights. I mean, when you look at his career, some of the most exciting fights in MMA history from his time in Bodog to uh, Bellator, Dream, and then to the UFC, headlined the first Madison Square Garden card with Conor McGregor. And this sounds like it was an extremely lucrative deal for Eddie Alvarez. The trade-off being you're going to a company that doesn't have a whole lot of spotlight on it from a North American perspective outside of uh, a hardcore fan base that's going to seek out these fights. But it's a huge signing for one championship. And you have to be happy for someone that is probably has probably signed the most lucrative contract of, of their career and coming into a ton of money at 34 years old, where maybe this is the final contract of his career. But I guess some were hoping he would end up in Bellator, rekindle the feud with Michael Chandler, do a third fight there. But uh, one championship, there aren't really a whole lot of uh, well-known commodities, I would say, in one championship. But a very lucrative deal for Eddie Alvarez. I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see guys like him, you know, just kind of make their name in the UFC and then just get out and try to find a, you know, I'm not going to say cush because I don't think any, any MMA, you know, contract is, is a cush job because you have to, you have to fight. But, um, you know, at, at the very least, he's probably getting paid what he deserves. And, and I'm happy to see that. Let me throw out a few of the big fights that are coming up. And I want to know if you are planning to watch it or not, if it's captured the Interest of waiting. Sure. Starting off with uh, Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis, the Madison Square Garden card. I'll watch that, yeah. Then we've got, okay, this is a bit of a, a test, Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz on pay-per-view. Um, That's more of like a GIF. I'll, I'll, I'll look for a GIF of that. You're not going to spend $50 on pay-per-view for that card? No. Which is the going rate for that particular pay-per-view. Uh, I'll watch Tom Lawler's tr- fight, though. Tom Lawler is. Uh, they have presented his uh, his fight uh, to the commission. That is a fight they are trying to put together. I guess they haven't officially signed Tom Lawler yet, but he is uh, one of the fighters they are trying to get for that card. Uh, how about the Toronto show? It's got Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, and Valentina Shevchenko. This week she is fighting Joanna Janjacek. I think I'm kind of interested in that one, but um, it's it, it won't be a day of no. And Jones Gustafson. I think we talked about this at the end of the year. I imagine you're in on that one. Yeah, that's probably the biggest of all of them. There are some big cards coming up to close out the year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I guess then early next year, it's going to depend uh, with Brock Lesnar when he fights. Yeah. Cormier, Daniel Cormier was stating on Monday that he is optimistic he's going to beat Derek Lewis and come back to fight Lesnar in March, and then he retires. What's the likelihood of that scenario? I mean, that's a very bold uh, retirement plan, um, Daniel Cormier. I mean, I think I'm going to say kind of unlikely that he manages to execute that. Something's going to fall through somewhere. John Jones is going to mess up these plans somehow. I don't know how he's going to do it, but somehow it will. There are way too many variables. Yeah. Cormier has maintained, despite all these lucrative fights on the table for him, that March, he's done. His 40th birthday, he's done. Do you see him walking away when either the Lesnar or Jones or even both fights may not happen and could be on the table if he extends his retirement? Or do you, th- do you think he will be steadfast 
on his word that he retires on his 40th birthday. I mean, so much of it probably depends on the results of some of those matches that he's going to have, right? But um, I am assuming if those fights are out there and if it means maybe just extending your or delaying your retirement by a few months, he'll probably delay his retirement by a few months. I can't imagine him walking away if he beats Derek Lewis and then there's some setback where Brock can't fight in March and he's got to push it till May or June and Jones isn't available after the Gustafson fight that early. That Cormier doesn't that Cormier doesn't fight one of those two to close out the his career. Mm-hmm. And and he could probably, if he wanted to stick around for 2019, I think there's a fairly good shot he could get both those fights. And the amount he would make on top of the Lewis fight, he's getting paid. I don't know what it is, but he said the offer was insane. That he there was no way he could turn down this fight with Derek Lewis. So mm-hmm. he's getting paid a huge amount to save this card. So that's a big fight for him as well. And I'm really happy that he doesn't have to go to Saudi Arabia for these gigantic paydays that he's going to get to close out his career. Well, good for him. But, I mean, a lot could happen in that time. Like, what if Gustafsson wins? So much could happen. Gustafsson could win that fight. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that that's a a crazy possibility at all. So those are some of the news items. You can go check that out at postwrestling.com. I also wrote up this history of SmackDown, if you want to check that out, some of the... uh, the key moments of their 19-year history as they came into tonight's show, which took place from the Capital One Center in Washington, D.C. We started things off with a opening montage of current and past moments of SmackDown history. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the song was they used for the 25th anniversary of Raw. I know you hated it. This time around, they enlisted Panic at the Disco. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. I don't remember what, what that 25th anniversary of Raw song I think was. It was I think it was Fallout Boy. Oh, I think okay. I think Kevin Dunn's going through his emo phase in 2018. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he just discovered his, like, teenage son's iPod. From yeah, he found, like, a 2000 <laughs> yeah, playlist. Yeah. Uh, some of the highlights they showed here, Arnold Schwarzenegger attacking Triple H, the grocery store brawl with Steve Austin and Booker T, uh, Big Boss Man crashing the Big Show's father's funeral, Edge and Vicky's wedding, Billy and Chuck's wedding. We had a lot of weddings in here. Cena's debut, the Thanksgiving food fights, and a very notable image, Daniel Bryan in the ring, posing with the Hulkster. As Bryan probably just buried his head into his hands. I was like, oh, you had to. Yeah, I want, man, I, you know, it's, maybe it's telling that, like, seeing an image like that really, I, I didn't really think twice about it. And maybe it just kind of tells you how, how little... Maybe how much I've forgotten. Uh, Like, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me anymore. Is bringing Hulk Hogan back at Crown Jewel the worst idea in the world? Or for (laughs) Hulk Hogan people, is it the best idea? Because it's not even the most offensive thing on the show. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean... Should that be our Twitter poll? We should put that out as a poll question. Is it the best idea or the worst? Yeah, while you're at it, like... Just, you know, uh, let's bring back the, the Moolah Battle Royal, even if, though there are no women uh, participating. And uh, just any any other, perhaps, potentially risque, off- offensive thing. Let's just cram it all in that show. The... I'm not even going to say it. Hey, okay. uh, hey our, 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 maybe at the end of the show we should announce our uh, contest <laughs> for the Did, book. Oh, should we do that now? Sure, okay, okay, yeah, so... Uh, thank you everybody again for your uh, haikus yesterday for our Twitter contest. It was a great success. 
And uh, this week, we are going to move social platforms again to Facebook, our very yes. beloved Facebook, the OG social media platform. Which I, didn't go down tonight. It was working fine. That's right, yes. And so we're asking everybody this week to go to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash postwrestling. And this comes from a suggestion from one of you, a couple of you, who wanted us to ask all of our listeners, Halloween is coming up, post your Halloween outfit. Are we are we limiting this to a wrestling outfit? No, no, it's open to any Halloween costumes. I want to be entertained. Okay, so so are we saying like this Halloween, or can we say like any Halloween you've had? If it's I mean, any how, how Halloween... are we going to enforce it? We can say this year. How are we going to know it's this year? Exactly. So so then maybe we should make it wrestling specific then. Okay. So since it's, yeah, so just basically post a photo on our Facebook group, follow our Facebook group, and post a photo of you in a wrestling outfit. All right. Facebook group. So go, where is it? Facebook.com slash post wrestling. Correct. Yes. All right. Go join. Send us your Halloween costumes. And we're going to announce the winner in two weeks' time when Halloween is occurring. And that will be for our final copy of Creating the Mania from ECW Press, who has sent us these, uh, these copies. We, they are just flying out the window. And you can get the final copy if you send us your Halloween costume. Wrestling-themed Halloween costume. But we get back to SmackDown. Uh, the show itself starts out with the return of Truth TV. R-Truth and Carmella are starting the show. And Truth says they've had many memorable moments on Truth TV. Carmella says, no, we got canceled after one episode. They have a dance break. The crowd's chanting one more time, but Truth is saying, hey, we got a script that we have to follow. No improvisation. Their guest is Stephanie McMahon, who comes out and notes that she was the first general manager of SmackDown, and she is ready to be interviewed when out comes... Her hot brother, Shane McMahon. (laughs) He comes out. Shane. My goodness, was this man choked up. He was either... He either just had some incredibly hot wings in the back and was just feeling the effects of the hot peppers that he had just ate, or he was really emotional about this SmackDown show tonight. He's thanking the fans trying to keep it together are you sure that that wasn't just sweat dripping down to his eyes it was sweat but no there was definitely a contraction of the throat as well he was he was i don't know i don't know if he was crying or if the man was just like uh coughing maybe he was sick i don't know i thought stephanie was very entertaining here she starts mocking shane for pandering and how all the fans are just sheep and mocking them Stephanie has definitely hit or miss. She's got the same problem I have in that I interrupt you a lot, and Stephanie interrupts so much in these segments because her brain's going so fast, and she's just thinking of these jokes to make, and she's always just talking over Shane. Shane's her worst foil for these because she just likes to kick him around, whereas others she'll just you know wait, wait her turn. Not with Shane. It's just, God, just talking over one another. Well, as long as it's uh, entertaining. Shane welcomes Stephanie to the A-Show, and Stephanie says, you're right, it is A-Show, and it's the second longest, it's the, it's the second longest show in the history of mankind, the first being Raw, the two shows that have been running since the creation of television, 
No other wrestling shows existed. None uh, went much longer than these two. They are just uh, the most constant things in our life. Raw and SmackDown. She says, we hold things to a higher standard on Raw and didn't want to start the night off with Truth TV. But Shane says, well, you're out here. And then out comes Vince McMahon. I thought we were getting a full recreation of the start of the, the Raw anniversary show in January. This was like almost the exact same, minus Steve Austin. Was Vince that comes January? Out, that was in January. Wow. Vince is out. He says no one wants to see them bicker. They want to be entertained. The fans start to chant, what? And the interrupter says, he's got his hearing aid on. He can hear you just fine. And Vince just wanted to say, shut up, Stephanie. Christ. And then they all had a dance break at the end, which we got Vince's awesome dancing. Stephanie danced like she had no idea this was how the segment was supposed to end. It was as awkward as when Emma tried to get her to dance at TakeOver or Arrival that we just reviewed. Uh, But a fun start to the show. Wouldn't it be wonderful if, like, they could just dance break this entire Saudi Arabia thing out? Because that's kind of what this segment felt like to me. It was just, we have nothing. So let's just dance our way through it. This was 15 minutes of nothing. It was. It really was. No, it's like, I mean, okay, get Stephanie out, get, get Shane out, and then get Vince out and hope people are satisfied by simply seeing this man. Like, Vince... And then it kind of goes for the, the entire episode, doesn't it? It's like, uh, with the exception of the Evolution segment, and, and also the Edge segment, actually. Both of them were, were very good. Uh, but this and the Undertaker segment were just simply, you know, visual appearances by, by people you don't often see on SmackDown, and hoping that was enough to satisfy this crowd, because there was really no substance here. They come back. We came back from the break with all these photos of classic moments on the show. AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan teamed up to take on uh, this new team debuting uh, the 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 USOS. Yeah, the USOs. Yeah. <laughs> Bryan hit a dragon screw leg whip to Jimmy, and then AJ came in and just kicked his knee repeatedly. The USOs eventually hit Inziguris to get the heat on AJ. Jay was caught in the calf crusher. Bryan applied the yes lock, but Jay gets to the rope. They went through a commercial break. Bryan hitting Jay with yes kicks, then hit a suicide dive to Jimmy on the floor, came back with a missile drop kick, was going at a very fast pace. And then Brian missed Jay, and he takes out AJ. This allows the Usos to recover. They hit a super kick to AJ, double super kick to Brian, and Daniel Bryan gets pinned by one of the Usos. I believe it was Jay. Mm. Man, another pinfall loss for Daniel Bryan. I guess he, at this point, what's one more going to do? No, he loses all the time. Yeah. It made me remember this interview he did a few months ago where he said that someone pulled him aside in the back and said that, you know, you have to push more for your stuff because you're a top guy and you have to treat yourself like a top guy. And he said, it's really hard for me to do that and stand up for myself uh, in this kind of a top role. And I think that's bearing itself out. Like there are a few guys that would be at this level that would be losing the amount of times Daniel Bryan does. And I think to a degree, it's because this guy probably puts up very little resistance. He just does what he's told because there's many guys that I think would balk at the number of losses Bryan is cool with and just takes. And I, have, I think it, I think it does hurt him. I have to imagine for him specifically, like he probably believes that his favorite wrestlers 
you know, it doesn't matter how much they win or lose. It's more about the performance. And, you know, maybe if for his audience, it, it, it is that. But perhaps for the greater WWE audience at large, it's not. But I he always strikes me as the type of guy who doesn't really care so much about maybe uh, the positioning that he's in. He just seems to want to wrestle. Well, that was this segment. That was kind of the only uh, involvement with AJ and Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And- yeah, I understand this show was sort of like your, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to fit in two hours, and and I think that was certainly apparent by the end. But um, it was almost a little striking that you know this match was just all of a sudden set up. Your two kind of championship contenders all of a sudden being paired up. It was almost as if they had like skipped through like two weeks of like television in order to get to this point. And I wasn't really complaining. Like we all know the story. They hate it or they get along for now and then they can't they have to team up, but they can't team up and now they hate each other. So uh, it just kind of felt like we we're fast forwarding through a lot. Paige was showing backstage with Vicky Guerrero, Teddy Long and John Laurinaitis. Uh, Vicky came in and then Teddy came in. said, Playa, I will never look at this man again and not think of waiting. And uh, that was it. They didn't even have lines. This was just a literal appearance by these three as the former general managers in a cutaway to Paige in the back. Yeah, hopefully, um, I don't know, hopefully catering was good to them. Yeah, this was the literal definition of a cameo. Evolution had their reunion next. They came out to the Motorhead theme. They walked out. I've never seen a man look as happy as Dave Batista did. Mm-hmm. He looked so excited to be back here. Hunter starts the promo. He said, you get to a thousand episodes by constantly evolving. Man's just a master at tying it all together. Flair says, I'm used to the number 10,000. Like, Oh, it's scripted, Ric Flair. And then Orton takes over and he mentions being a kid. And he gestures to Hunter saying, and I got to start with G." With these guys, and I thought he was going to call Hunter Jesus. What else could he have been thinking about? With uh, with G. I don't know what else G. he could have meant. He had to have been about to call him Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Orton says that Hunter's been running the show. Flair's been living through his daughter's achievements. And Batista's spending more time in a makeup chair while he's been busting his ass here on SmackDown. Okay, what did you think of that line? This was totally out of place in this promo because then we had to like, first of all, Hunter's wasn't even an insult. Flair's was, and he's just laughing. He's just cool. Did and he then, mean it as an insult? It was designed as a heel line, I'm, but nah, there was but, no selling of it as a heel line. Okay. But, but is it like to, for Randy though, he's saying that you're living vicariously through your daughter. That's to me, it could be a compliment. Like, you know, this man's obviously very proud of his daughter, and the fact that I think his daughter is achieving such great things is something is a compliment. That's uh, to me, that's kind of how he could be saying it. The Batista thing, though, I I mean, I don't know. That's what's so confusing is because I can I'm assuming Randy meant all those things as compliments. But clearly, <laughs> you've been spending more time in a makeup chair than here. Well, I've been busting my ass. I guess it's pretty clear cut. Yeah, I guess I guess not. I guess not. But I 
what like it didn't seem so out of place to insult it was totally out of place because there was no payoff to it batista just literally said i'm just going to ignore what you said because i have a promo to cut Mm. i don't know the orton line it was almost like okay we need a line to remind everyone this guy's a heel it was almost like he i don't know i didn't think it was but he didn't play that person at all like he played no he was playing 2005 randy orton yeah with douchebag clothes and all Batista then took over. He said he's a bit nervous. I'm going to ignore what you said. And he says the last place he wants to be is here holding this microphone. He's proud to say he helped build the blue brand. And he's got four reasons that he's come back here tonight. And I imagine the Miz and Rusev were in the gorilla position, both looking at each other and saying, did he just say four reasons that he's going to list? He goes through, this is his hometown. He bounced at nightclubs for 13 years. Saw all this violence as a kid, and here he is at SmackDown 1000. He mentions all the fans, even the ones that called him Blue Tista or Boo Tista. He loved all of them. He just wanted to entertain them. And the final reason he came is these three men, who he's going to go through one by one. He said when they got together, the molecules changed in the room. The energy changed. Four champions that came together. He put over Randy, the man who just insulted him, that he was special from the time he saw him in OVW and has more talent in his pinky finger than half the guys that have stepped into this ring. Then he put over Ric Flair. Flair went for a fist bump. Batista no-sold it and then told Flair to keep that thing in your pants. And everyone howled at Ric Flair's dick. And then he goes to Hunter. God, who changed the business, he is the business. There's nothing this man hasn't done except beat me. And it got very tense. They had a big stare down. But then they finally hugged and smiled. But there was a serious look on Hunter's face. And this has been the program Batista has wanted for years. I remember interviewing this guy right when Guardians came out. And he said that is his dream program. Is to do one more big WrestleMania match with Triple H. And I can't imagine how you don't leave this segment thinking that this is a tease for WrestleMania. Nope. I, I mean, I thought it was a very solid, well-done tease. Uh, if it's something that far out, great. Awesome. Uh, I think, Or maybe for next year's Greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, very, <laughs> It could be very possible. Yeah, who knows at this point. Uh, but uh, Batista, you know, even though he this whole thing was billed as an evolution reunion, the crowd was here to see Batista, and he received the biggest cheers. Um, but I think if you're going to do a Hunter Batista feud, having an, a, a reintroduction of the entire group together to reestablish that before breaking off into this, this rivalry between the two, I think is a great way to do it. Batista compared to the last time he was around feels like a far bigger mainstream star. Um, and I have a feeling this time, especially against Hunter, he'll probably be received far better than, uh, last time. Okay. How great would it have been if they came out and it was Hunter and Randy and Rick all putting over Batista, the man who's come back home to Washington, giant movie star. They're just putting him over left and right, and it just becomes the Batista celebration. And then it's Randy that lifts up Batista, and Hunter gives the thumbs down, and they kill Batista. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be reversal. awesome. Yeah. It'd be a little, it'd be a little um, pretty, uh, uh, you know, 
evident, I think, from from the moment that he sat on his shoulders. I wonder if he could even lift him on his shoulders, quite frankly. But uh, Batista's a lot smaller than than Pete true, Batista. True. Yeah, I think that'd be great. It'd be great callback. Um, you know, the only problem I did have was I think with Randy and maybe some of the inconsistency with him. He's in the middle of of a pro, uh, of a character right now, perhaps one of the best of his career, where he his main mo- motivation is to take out all of the fans' favorites. And he's sitting in the ring right now with three of the fans' favorites, yet he's pals with them. He's not just pals. He seems subordinate to the three of them. Um, To me, that he didn't do enough, I think, to remind us that, hey, he's still this other guy that we don't typically see uh, in in segments like this. I didn't think Randy worked at all in this segment. I think you could have maintained that easily. Like Hunter's Hunter's a major heel on on Raw, and I didn't think it was difficult at all for him but the, the randy just didn't work for me at all in this segment but i thought batista was great i thought it was you know he was treated like the star of the four i think that was the right way to go especially in his hometown you tease something i'm sure most people are not jonesing at the idea of his return being with hunter but it's why not know, it's are you excited by that match i think you know, so i think by the story that they could tell yeah i mean they've got a lot of history together Hunter is always they, solid. They drew an big... outstanding number when they did their WrestleMania match. I mean, that was a legitimately major drawing program when they did the the 2005 match. And so he's a lot more famous to... now. Yeah, you're right. It's you know, it's a program that it's the one Batista's always wanted. It's a big match for Hunter at WrestleMania against a movie star. We can have Drax versus Thor at WrestleMania. Drax versus. Um... Uh, that what's uh, Triple H's movie? Uh, the one with the I bus. Oh, oh, I didn't see that movie. <laughs> yes, you the did. Bu- the chaperone. The chaperone. The, ch- the chaperone. <laughs> yeah, Drax versus the chaperone. Oh, could you imagine Batista coming out as Drax at WrestleMania? That'd be awesome. I don't know if he could legally do that. <laughs> I don't know if Marvel would be uh, allowing him that leeway right at the moment. I don't know if he's uh, got the best <laughs> relationship with him right now. So we got we got an appearance from The Rock's Twitter account on tonight's big anniversary. Uh, he sent in a tweet and gave us the origin of the word SmackDown. He thought of it for a promo in 1998, and Vince gave him a belly laugh. Ha, 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 yeah, that's a great word. Ha, ha. And that was The Rock's involvement on tonight's show. A tweet. I've, I mean, I, I personally didn't expect any more. Maybe a, a selfie, selfie video? Maybe I a thought, selfie I thought video. maybe a selfie video. I yeah. thought that would be... Ex- expected. Right. I didn't think he'd be there. You also have to wonder is, you know, for, for, for the rock and how big of a star this guy is, uh, is this the, is this an event you want to attach yourself with given the climate at the moment? I mean, yeah, I would, I would think that probably would be something that if he really wanted to do it, he'd do it. Um, but maybe, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. I have to wonder because he's a, he's not a man who's, uh, you know, uh, afraid to be outspoken when it comes to politics on Twitter. And uh, I I don't know. I mean, I kind of half expected him to like even throw a little reference uh, in this, but he didn't. Um, uh, ugh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure a lot of guys who are involved with the program have have a lot of, uh, you know, inner conflict. So we come back from break. Kurt Angle's on commentary. I don't know why. 
and the bell rings. Rusev and The Miz are already in the ring. So this tells me that the last segment went really long and they wanted to have this wrapped up before the crossover segment at the top of the hour. So all the segments seem like they went long, though, you know, because like Daniel Bryan didn't even get an entrance. Yeah, Um, the match begins and they are just going at 100 miles an hour. Rusev hits a spinning heel kick. Miz just rolls to the floor. Aiden English shows up out of nowhere, tripping Rusev and Miz rolls him up in 43 seconds. Mm -hmm. So they just had to sprint through this match. Lana then stares at Aiden, kicks him in the kicks him low and then Rusev just repeatedly ran him into the steps, and the segment was over. Uh, I don't. I I have to imagine they were just told, uh, whatever you have planned, uh, you're doing all of this in sixty seconds. So go at a rapid pace. Yeah, probably. These two also would uh, go on to wrestle each other in uh, the mixed match challenge later on. Oh, so keeping themselves fresh for the the real big yeah. match of the night. Edge was in the back briefly with Kurt Hawkins, his former Edgehead, who had a, I guess, Zack Ryder was calling him on his phone right as this was occurring. And Edge came out for the cutting edge. Not exactly his intro um, working as well when you don't have the pyro, because he still does the pause and puts his, his hands in the air. And I always associate his entrance with their pyro on f- steroids. It just went insane for this guy's entrance, and now they don't use it at all. Right. And it just kind of is sad when you're signaling for the pyro spot, and there's no pyro. Mm. Tony Chimmel was the one who introduced him, and Edge said that SmackDown always felt like his show. Cashed in money in the bank. He had a no-DQ match with Eddie Guerrero that's still brought up. That led to an Eddie chant. Then he moves on that he married Vicky Guerrero, and then divorced her. The divorce got the pop. But he's going to be the moral compass here as he brought out Becky Lynch. Becky's in the ring and he said that you and I have a lot of similarities. And Becky said, please indulge me to these similarities, Edge. He says that uh, he wasn't supposed to be a main eventer either or on the posters. He had to fight and claw his way for everything he earned. But he says that he, he made the decision to throw everyone aside just like Becky's done with her friendship with Charlotte and he says that those relationships that he stomped on left a trail of burnt bridges and that those choices that she makes are going to stain her soul and change who she is and Edge says I can still see a good person in there and it all ends after your career is over where you're staring at your titles on a wall and reminiscing about your accomplishments all by yourself and the kicker is you're not even going to like yourself so something has happened to one adam copeland he is now a hermit living in the woods alone a recluse who comes out for smackdown special episodes with no friends no family no podcast with his best friend this is just angry bitter isolated edge imparting this wisdom onto becky lynch who then said, you're right, I don't like myself. I love myself. Now get out of this ring and be careful you don't hurt your neck going through the ropes. And the audience just loved Becky. The the just stubbornness to try and get this woman into this, this square peg into a round hole is just fascinating to watch every week. And it doesn't matter what city they go to, they love this woman. 
and they are not going to play any of the WWE's games, no matter if it's a beloved legend like Edge trying to uh, talk reasonably to her. They love Becky. This didn't at all seem to me like a heel Becky Lynch, though. Like, doing something like saying, you're right, I don't like myself, I love myself, that to me is just a total, like, badass, like, anti-hero, good guy type of line, don't you think? Yeah, but everything about Edge was addressing this woman as this heel, and I think mm-hmm. it just, it's it's like the audience doesn't sympathize with Edge because they don't see any of these as negatives for Becky. They're all behind her. They all think this is great, and... Edge just kind of felt like the latest tool to try and get this woman booed for Charlotte to do the babyface save at the end. And this didn't work yet again. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I almost just felt like Edge was just there to set up Becky's line. Um, that was clearly, to me, like designed to get her cheered because there's no other effect, I think, of, of you know Becky delivering a line like that. Um, in either case, I mean, I thought the segment came across well. Uh, and engaging. I thought Edge was very good. You can tell the man is still really on top of, you know, current storylines with this specific storyline. We know through his podcast that he follows the product week to week. And, you know, he seemed like he was, you know, he had a lot of, I think, uh, his character had a lot to offer to this current character. This was probably, you know, the one crossover between uh, past and present on this particular show that I actually did enjoy. Uh, and Becky, I thought she did the swerve in the middle of the, the promo pretty well. I like the beginning of it where he was talking about not being the, the chosen main eventer um, because that part was very real. When they, when they had Edge briefly beat John Cena, it was just to you know refresh John Cena and Edge was going to get this three-week title reign. And during that time, he got really over. Numbers went up. It was a big success, but they still stuck to their plan. They took the title off of Edge, and then he got the Mick Foley program at WrestleMania. But it was during that period that he really elevated himself to become a main eventer in their eyes. And after that, uh, he did become someone that they they saw in that light, but didn't start out as that. Uh, When it got into, you know, uh, all by yourself and... You have no friends. I just felt this was kind of a disconnect from Edge, who we usually always see show up, and he's goofing around with Christian, and like he's not the the grizzled, broken down, angry veteran. Uh, which... Well, he he did change by the end, didn't he? The end of which of his career became a good guy again. Yeah, I know, but the, like in this promo, I mean, he's channeling like he's he's just. He's cut off all of his relationships with his friends. It's this miserable existence that he lives because of his actions from his career. It's like, no, we see you show up every couple of months, and you're always really happy, and you're always with your best friend. It's the exact opposite of what you're outlining with Becky here. Probably said, Becky, you and Charlotte will probably get a deal on uh, Podcast One. Me and and my, my best bud, Jay. So... The segment ended with Charlotte coming out. She was booed. She cut a promo. And I love Becky just holding the title up the entire time as Charlotte cuts this promo and then tackled Becky down. They tried to separate them. They kept fighting. And eventually uh, we're pulled apart as we got our SmackDown cameos of Jamie Noble, Fit Finley, and Adam Pierce. Yeah. 
What did you think about the, the Charlotte part at the end? Um, yeah, it was pretty brief. You know, came out and just got physical. Um, I thought that was fine. Do you expect Charlotte to be booed out of the building in Long Island? Uh, you know, I, do. I, I don't really know what type of crowd is going to this show. I think it's a very, you know, in, on the one hand, I think it's a very similar crowd, but I think it's only, it's a show with, with appeal to maybe a specific portion of that crowd. So, um, it's, it's kind of hard to predict for me. Um, I'm going to guess she'll receive maybe a more negative reaction because I think everybody, male or female, no matter what age, probably prefers Becky in this feud. Ray was in the back meeting with Jeff Hardy, teeing up his return for later tonight. We got more photos, including Mr. America. Wow. And Randy Orton burning down the Wyatt compound. SmackDown tag title match was next. Big E and Xavier Woods against Cesaro and Sheamus. Hands down, the worst thing on this show, and a concept they have to retire, is the split commentary. This was a disaster. Didn't work today. No. Ooh. And I don't even blame Lawler and Booker. Like, this would throw me off. I think it would throw anyone off that all of a sudden you're being told, hey, you're up next. Say something in 10 seconds. And you just have to, like, do it right now, Way. Say something to me. Uh, tell me in 10 seconds, quickly, about this match. Um, exactly. Like, you can't, you can't think like that and come out with these 10-second sound bites with two people that are trying to Mimic commentary. They were trying really hard, I think, to cram everybody onto the show. And this show simply didn't have enough time. No. Uh, these two, definitely not necessary here. If you can't have a role for them, this is not the way to shoehorn people in. So, early on, they got the advantage on Xavier. They went through two commercial breaks on this show. So, this was a lengthy, lengthy match. Uh at one point, they cut to Lawler and Booker T with the picture-in-picture. Picture. It was complete silence. And then you just saw their their uh, frame just go out, uh, and they go back to the regular announcers. <laughs> Biggie speared Sheamus. I felt bad for these guys. Like, they were just in a horrible position. Oh, and especially I, Lawler. Like, I'm sure he would have no idea what, what the hell was going on here. I mean, here's the guy. I'm pretty sure he called the very first episode of SmackDown, didn't he? If not, he... Called like the majority yeah. of like the first couple of years, and here he is in this role where he may have gotten twenty seconds of time during this thirteen minute match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big E did his spear to Sheamus going to the floor. Xavier then hit a shining wizard to to Sheamus getting a near fall. They hit the big ending to Sheamus, but Cesaro is the legal man. Lifts up Big E and hits the neutralizer with Xavier making the saves. Number of big uh, near fall spots. Sheamus then lifted Big E. And set him up for a flying uppercut from Cesaro coming off the turnbuckle when Kofi broke the cover. And we went to Booker and Lawler. And Booker confirmed that was outside interference. Thanks. Back to our main announcers after checking in with Booker, who was right there to confirm. Uh, The bar catches Xavier Woods as he's going for a Topicon hero. Run him into the barricade. And then they toss all the pancakes away from Lawler and Booker's desk when the big show's music plays. I don't know about you, Wei, but I knew what was happening. I was like, this is the perfect tribute to the last 19 years of WWE booking this guy. He yeah. comes down, he slowly lifts up Kofi, and then he turns around and he choke slams Kofi through a table. A big show heel turn on this show. I thought this was awesome. And the brogue kick is hit to Biggie, 
and they pin the New Day 1326 to win the tag titles. And for whatever reason, the big show is aligned with the bar. Uh, I, I, I can't tell you why, but I mean, it certainly wouldn't be a nostalgic feeling show without a big show heel turn. So, uh, whatever. I, yeah, I didn't mind this at all. The reason for the turn, we don't know. We're probably never going to get one. Whatever the big show's lingering feelings were with the new day, we'll probably never know, but he's a heel this week. John Cena sent us a selfie promo and you know, the way his mouth was moving and his delivery this guy's morphing into Jim Carrey. Like these exaggerated facial expressions and I don't know what it was. He went on about in a galaxy far, far away, there was only Raw. But then SmackDown came and it created new stars like Randy Orton, Batista, and himself. And he thanked SmackDown. It's where he started his career. And without SmackDown, there would be no John Cena, which is probably true. The man probably would have been fired if it wasn't for that Halloween episode mm -hmm. of SmackDown. Yeah. And he even made fun of having his own rap album, which he confirmed was real. And he looks forward to many more editions of SmackDown that he'll be on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I wonder when this was shot, you know, because maybe in Australia or. Yeah, because it was in front of like a red and, and, and blue backdrop, which looks like it was would have been backstage, perhaps at a WWE set. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe it was at the Jackie Chan stunt team and they happened to have these lights in the background. But either way, uh, the man is is very limited with his time, even for an edition of uh, SmackDown 1000. Hey, he didn't tweet it in. Yes. No. Yeah. Wait, 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 maybe five years. <laughs> at John Cena on Twitter says, congrats, another anniversary SmackDown. Mm -hmm. Later. Signed, President John Cena. <laughs> yes. Shinsuke Nakamura and Rey Mysterio was our main event. Uh, Rey Mysterio got a pretty good reaction coming out. He teased the 619 early and missed. Nakamura went to the floor and Rey did that sliding splash. I don't know how he doesn't get apron burn. This is the most fascinating spot he's introduced over the last few years. Is he... Uh, did he do this? Yeah, he didn't wear a shirt for this one. Right. Yeah, he was shirtless. Wow. Yeah, I, I would just... Man, that would... I, I'd tap out from that. Maybe he just like rubs oil. Vaseline. Could be. There's got to be a trick to it. Yeah. Comes back from break. He hits a seated senton off the top, spinning Hurricane Rana off the top mm -hmm. that I think it was Byron that said, he's just so revolutionary. The spinning Hurricane Rana. Got a near fall from that. There was a springboard by Ray, and he was caught with a gut buster as Nakamura took over, went for a Kinshasa. That was countered for a roll-up, and then Ray ducked the Kinshasa, sent Nakamura into the ropes, and Nakamura, an A for effort in his positioning after this bump, into the ropes onto the second one. And he takes the 619, biggest pop of the match, springboard splash, Ray Mysterio pins him in 10 minutes, 7 seconds to qualify for the U.S. Cup. I thought a good match, you know. Um, I don't know if it kind of really lived up to, to dream match expectations. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it was supposed to, honestly, whatever that means. Uh, but it was a fine TV match. I, don't, I wouldn't okay. go any higher than that. Yeah. Like, for you know, something tells me if, if this took place on either a takeover or uh, in a New Japan ring or, or uh, at an all-in or something, it probably would have been a lot better with a different uh, style and a different crowd. But for a TV match, it was fine. Um, and I think more more interestingly, it makes it official that uh, in this World Cup, we are uh, being treated to a tournament full of Americans. 
Yes, all Americans are taking up the eight seeds in the World Cup with Rey Mysterio and The Miz being the final entrance tonight. And we had six minutes to go in this program when The Undertaker's music hit and he spent about five minutes walking down the aisle and he got into the ring and he said, at Crown Jewel, and there were audible boos at the mention of this event. Not overwhelming, but definitely there. And he said, at Crown Jewel, he's got three words for DX. Dance break now. (laughs) And he danced to end the entire show. It was the weirdest thing. I didn't think Taker would kind of get get to that level, but here we are. I can't believe he was brought all the way for this. What a what an appearance. Yeah. Um I You know not... who's advertised that did not appear? Who? She was listed on the website was Michelle McCool. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, something had to either. be cut and I would I wonder if Taker's uh, segment was cut down drastically either. Because uh, it, it, I think anybody watching this would have just watched it and have said, you know, you would have said, that's it. I don't know. I mean, they had like five minutes at the end. His entrance took up the lion's share of the time. But you have to include we, the entrance. Maybe he could have jogged to the ring for once. Uh, just done it backstage. I don't know. It's like, what what did he need to say? This is really all you needed to do. It was one appearance. What I, was he going to do? Cut a longer promo? I don't well, I suppose maybe promo. what my disappointment in this show was that, yes, we got to see a lot of familiar faces. But, I mean, I didn't feel like I got that much in terms of uh, this. It didn't feel like it was that big of a celebration of SmackDown per se. It just kind of. and uh, But, uh, again, that's I guess that's what all these shows typically have been. It's just they are regular shows, but with like a wraparound theme, either in the commercial breaks or the beginning and end segments with something relating to. Uh, an a- anniversary or something. So maybe I'm expecting too much. But yeah, it just kind of felt like a bit more of a standard edition of SmackDown to me. Yeah, I thought it was... I, I enjoyed the show. I thought it went by fairly quickly. There were some, some fun segments throughout. I thought that the... I, I really liked the tag title match. I thought the tag title match was really good. I thought the Big Show turn was hilarious. Uh, main event was... It was fine. Uh, that's all. I thought it was, you know, a slightly better than average SmackDown. Yeah. So let us go to the forum and see what everyone had to say. Tonight's rating, a 6.88 for SmackDown 1000 on a scale of 1 to 10. We start off with Alexander in Norway. Somewhat underwhelming as an anniversary show, but I'm glad I stayed up to watch the 1000th Big Show heel turn. Between Vince's dancing, Batista's rambling, this was an entertaining, if utterly bizarre, episode of SmackDown. I feel they could have spent an extra minute on Eddie, though. We got a Brandon from Oshawa. Of course Big Show would turn heel, because why not? It makes so much sense when we were all looking forward to his obvious alliance with The Bar. And how about another face-versus-face rivalry, where they have to team up and can't coexist? I complained about this exact same thing for the Styles-Nakamura feud, and now they do the same thing for Styles and Bryan. Do they not know how to do anything different as an, in a rivalry between two baby faces? Oh, he's also got a uh, Johnny Mundo Survivor update. It's funny that John's trouble being a babyface was a topic during the BFG review because he came off as a total babyface in this episode of Survivor. I've never thought of John as a great actor, so he came off as a truly genuine and good guy in this episode. He caught a fish for his tribe. He tried oh. to form bonds with people, something he had said he 
had a hard time doing in real life. It was a very strong episode for John. The David Tribe even had a discussion about him. They wondered where Slamtown is <laughs> and what their people are called, Slamtonians. <laughs> Unfortunately, his Goliath, Goliath tribe lost the immunity challenge. The older lady that he wanted to protect was a target, but the tribe voted out somebody else. For the first time this season, I got the sense that he could go very far in this game. He's playing a strong and honest game. I'm loving these updates every week on Johnny Mundo on Survivor. Well, there you go. Then maybe that's the the setting he needs to be on a deserted island. He's an awesome babyface. Yeah, I'm hoping he goes like maybe he actually wins it, and that's probably why Impact gave him the belt. Yeah, sure. I I don't know if one person is going to uh, say, you know what? Let's start watching Impact Wrestling. This guy won Survivor, but hey, maybe. Maybe he's going to get some, some mainstream attention if he goes deep in this game. I don't know. Does, do, do Survivor winners still get a lot of attention? Um, I couldn't tell you. Paul from New Jersey writes, I can't lie. I actually enjoyed the opening segment. For all the criticisms one can have of Stephanie McMahon, her timing and subtle comedy is really good. I, I totally understand where Paul's coming from. Why don't I get any love, Stephanie said under her breath as the fans cheered for Shane. My initial reaction was to groan with the McMahon starting the show, but it is SmackDown 1000 and they all got big reactions. Shane got a good pop, Stephanie got heel heat, and Vince received a huge face pop. I can't say it didn't work. I'm just glad Shane didn't call his sister hot this time. Glad to see the Truth TV worked out. I was never big into Batista, but I loved his promo tonight. He was a really give no... He has a really... He has a really give no fucks attitude, probably because he doesn't need the WWE. It's always very interesting when that happens. We got to MJ from NJ. It never ceases to amaze me how video packages make past errors of SmackDown or any part of history feel so much greater than they were. That said, it's cool when Edge and Batista come back and remind you how deep the alumni list goes when they want to bring people back. The, evolu- the Evolution segment was rough at times. It felt like Batista went off on his own rant and they were trying to reel him in. The Dig Orton took at him re- looked to really catch him off guard. And I can't help but tinfoil hat the idea that he threw one back at Hunter and went into business for himself. I for one would love a Triple H Batista singles match as a fourth or fifth match from the top, if just for the entrances. All right, we uh, got no- Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that was probably planned. The Hunter stuff. I, yeah, I think it was just a badly put together, you know, pacing of the promo because Orton, I did think threw it off. Yeah. Noah from Vaughn, I kind of knew that this show would be would have a rushed feel to it with so many cameos to get through. It just seemed unimportant. It had some entertaining moments. Flair, Big Show, and Truth TV were the highlights for me. I don't usually get so annoyed by the key words they use to market their shows, but this whole World Cup tournament at Crown Jewel to determine the best in the world really bothers me as a soccer fan in particular. I've never heard of a World Cup with all the entries from one country. Furthermore, what World Cup only has eight spots? And what's with them not mentioning the great kingdom of Saudi Arabia these past couple of days? I thought they were so proud of their association with that amazing and progressive nation. Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest alcoholics, it's been a while since we last spoke. I'm sure you're all realizing that the rose is off the bloom. The novelty is over, but alas, I digress. It wouldn't be an anniversary show on the WWE without a big show turn. And it was grand. This show was lacking, but it was an easy watch. I love the Evolution reunion. It looked like Batista was having fun with his children's place leather jacket he was wearing. <laughs> Did he borrow it from Drake Maverick? Anywho, I popped when he challenged the King of Kings. We all know how this is going to end with trips going over. The opening segment was awesome, and the Becky Edge stuff was pretty dope. Bex is not only a good beer, 
but she is also one of the best performers in the WWE. Miscellaneous stuff. For WWE Crown Royal, will they bring back Hogan? Will he get a hero's welcome? <laughs> Crown <to> Royal. <laughs> because he ended the first Iraq war. Mm, I could see him being there for sure. Uh, and yeah, probably. We'll get a hero's welcome. Yes, why not? Um, what are your thoughts on the Impact TV tapings? And are you shocked that ROH didn't sign said wrestler like Willie Mack and Jordan Grace? Um, I'm not shocked. Jordan Grace is a great pickup uh, for their knockouts division. I mean, she's she's great. Um, and Willie Mack, I think I think both are really great additions for Impact. Am I surprised ROH didn't get them? Uh, maybe slightly, but. Impact's a good place for, for both of them uh, at this time. Is that all from Brandon? Yes. I like how you are always getting Brandon now based on the... Uh, I'm so lucky. Yeah, you, you do it justice. Chris from Australia. So am I the only one who thinks that last week the head smacked... Last week the head smackdown went to the WWE Stanford office, got the run sheet for Raw 25 and simply changed a few things with whiteout or copy and pasted? Raw. McMahon start the show with Austin, SmackDown... McMahon start with R-Truth and Carmella. Raw, past GMs return and talk to current GM backstage. SmackDown, past GMs return and talk to current GM backstage. Raw, DX Balor Club reunion. SmackDown, Evolution reunion. Raw, Undertaker cuts a less than five-minute promo. SmackDown, Undertaker cuts a less than five-minute promo. The whole show felt very missable and hardly built for Evolution in two weeks' time. One All-American World Cups out of ten. Also, WWE's attitude is not saying Saudi Arabia is similar to many older men's attitude toward health. Simply ignoring it won't fix it, and in fact, often makes it worse. Colby from PA. Hey guys, I don't write often, but figured since I was here live, I'd give quick feedback during the Mixed Match Challenge before I leave. For those who don't watch 205 Live, I'd recommend watching this week's main event, which was a five-way featuring Tony Nese, TJP, Grand Metal Leak, uh, Cedric Alexander, and one of the biggest, biggest pops of the night from both shows, Leo Rush. He's from the area and apparently very beloved here. I felt the show was good live. Batista was obviously the most over of the night, but Becky was definitely up there as a close second. Compared to recent Raws I've been to, I've been to it moved much faster and possibly because of all the content there were few breaks. Even commercials were used for entrances and recognitions. Interesting side note, every time Crown Jewel was mentioned in a commercial or even in Taker's promo, it got massive boos from the crowd. Seems Interesting. Like, seems like that show is looking more and more like a black eye to the company. Well, that's interesting to note. It was definitely audible, the booze, when Undertaker brought it up during the only promo that mentioned the event. They've got, what, two more weeks to go? Yes. Yeah, two more weeks of television. Jalen from Pickering. Of all the things to kick off SmackDown 1000, the McMahons dancing on Truth TV would not have been in my top 1000 ideas. WWE didn't bother to promote a title match, Usos return, or Styles and Bryan teaming up, but at least we knew the Undertaker was going to be there to do nothing. They could have at least had Triple H attack him. Don't be fooled. Evolution was not on to set up trip. Evolution was not on to set up Batista versus Triple H. They were there to make sure Batista didn't look as lame as Edge by doing his entrance without Pyro. Batista's great. Becky's great, and the main roster isn't. Uh, Anthony from East LA. Finally, hope I'm not too late. No, you're not. Uh, notice Kofi is often not in the New Day matches late- lately. Do you think there's room for him to have another singles run? What? would you do to keep the new day together and give Kofi another shot to shine? I don't know if they're going to go that direction with Kofi. If there's anyone, I think they could splinter off for a singles run. It's biggie. 
And even Xavier ahead of Kofi. I think Kofi's good in this role of just teaming which whichever one. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I I always think, you know, they'll probably use him for things like money in the bank and uh something where where he'll get his uh, I think big spot. Um is there uh, you just you can really go with any of them. They're all actually quite strong. Before we uh, sign off, the Mixed Match Challenge. Oh, right. Yes. Almost forgot this week. Okay. Uh, yes. It's uh, so first, um, I usually tune in a little bit late, so I don't see the announcers uh, start the show off in front of the cameras. I have never noticed how tall Vic Joseph is. Oh, is he? A, he this man. I've, I've met him before. He is. Uh, yeah, he's taller than me. This dude is a giant, at least compared to Michael Cole and 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 Beth Phoenix, because or sorry, Renee, because um, yeah, he towers over these two. Anyway, uh, two matches this week. One is Team Paws, the new Team Paws, consisting of Natalia and Bobby Roode taking on Country Dominance. That's Lashley and Mickey James, maybe the worst name of the bunch on the show. Um, so. Mickey and Natalia start the match, and they both try to get a Bobby chant going. And uh, it's confusing because both of their partners are named Bobby. So I think the crowd just doesn't really know how to react. Natalia puts cat ears onto Lashley, and Lashley takes these cat ears and stomps on him. And Natalia looks sad. There's really not much here. You know, both, I would say... uh, I think Lashley and Root are, are two of the more boring wrestlers on the roster at the moment. Uh, when the women tag in, uh, Natalia and Mickey do a spot where she grabs her leg and then um, Natalia complains about putting it down. Uh, whatever. I don't care. Um, chin locks. <laughs> Man, this show is breaking you down. Well, this match really was not that much and I'm, I'm, I've been exhausted this week, so... The, hot, the men hot tag in. There's no reaction at all. Uh, lastly, back body drops Bobby Roode. Roode's about to do his glorious DDT, but Mickey comes in to stop it. Natalia also comes in and then gets in her face. The two of them hit double sharpshooters onto their opponents, and the crowd, again, just doesn't really seem to care. Lashley gets out of another uh, glorious DDT attempt, and he hits the spear, and they win. Very dull characters. Very dull match. Um... Our next match is Team Asuka taking on Ravishing Rusev Day. So um, we know how well dancing does on the Mixed Match Challenge. And there's a bit of dancing to start but between uh, Lana and Asuka. But Asuka quickly you know, has enough of it and kicks Lana to break it up. The crowd starts chanting, Lana is the best, Lana number one. And the Miz starts to motion to the audience that he's the best. And he gets booed. But then uh, uh, Rusev and Lana raise their hands again and they get cheered. And now Asuka raises her hands, and she also gets cheered. So they play with this, and they do sort of like a round where it's like uh, Lana and Rusev raising their hands, getting cheered, Asuka getting cheered, and the Miz raising his hands and getting booed. And they kept doing this like in a circle, uh, increasing in speed. And it was kind of fun. Rusev and Lana kiss, and then they challenge Miz and Asuka to kiss. The crowd encourages them, but instead of kissing they kick rusev day and then uh they gain the, the advantage so lana is about to deliver the accolade but miz at this point grabs the microphone on the floor and then he does an aided english warm-up impression in order to distract him through the speakers uh miz ends up in the ring with lana 
and Lana signals her the accolade on The Miz. She applies it for about half a second before Asuka comes in, breaks it up, and uh, but Lana, however, regains advantage, gives her the X-Factor, and then Lana slaps The Miz, but from behind, Asuka applies the Asuka lock onto Lana for the win. So definitely the better of the two matches. This one was a bit more fun, but you know, for whatever reason, it didn't feel like it had the energy from the crowd as many other mixed match challenge matches. Oh, look what they had just sat through. I mean, The Undertaker's big promo, tough to follow. I mean, Michelle McCool and Taker, I think you you had a perfect spot for her to appear. Yeah, really. I mean, they could have been the the surprise entrance into this tournament. Yeah. All right. Well, the mixed match challenge continues, everybody. It's uh man, we're we're down to the final two months. Oh boy. Coming up. Uh before we go, I I did want to mention the Super Junior Tag League uh, started for New Japan on Tuesday morning. I have not seen the card from today, but I heard that the opening uh, six-man Young Lions tag match was tremendous. It's Toa Hanare, Shota Amino, and Ren Narita against Ayato Yoshida, Yuya Uimura, and Yota Suji. And I had multiple people contact me to say that that match was awesome. And apparently the main event really strong too with Rapongi 3K against Shingo Takagi and Bushi. So I'd recommend those matches, even though I've not seen them, but I've heard uh, high recommendations for them from the first day of the Super Junior Tag League, if you want to go check that out. And they're not on YouTube, so you can watch these uh, matches. They are on YouTube. No, they're not. They're not on YouTube. These are on uh, New Japan World, although YouTube, I guess they have corrected their issues. So right. My joke has just fallen flat. But not this show. What a tremendous show we have had. Uh, if you enjoyed this, we have so much more coming your way, including tonight, this moment, on the double shot, up on the Post Wrestling Cafe. What are we discussing, Way? Uh, the latest Total Divas, as well as the latest being the Elite. And That's all going to be discussed, along with Lucha Underground. And the Eddie Guerrero Untold feature that the WWE just put out. So we will be chatting about all of that. Uh, You can go sign up for the Post Wrestling Cafe. Grab that show now. And then we've got the British Wrestling Experience dropping Wednesday night with a review of the first episode of NXT UK. Thursday, Davey and Braden are back with Up Next and Forever Young, plus their miniature review of 205 Live, chatting about that five-way. And then Friday, it's the big review of Iron Man 2. A movie I've just started watching today. 1.25 is the speed I've been watching this at. Tremendous speed to watch a movie at. Uh, That is going to be coming up on Friday on the cafe. Saturday, new eggshells with Chris Charlton tackling 2006 at the Tokyo Dome. And then Sunday, it is American Vandal Season 2. All right, cool. Can't wait. It's a bunch of sequels we are reviewing this weekend. Let's see how Iron Man and American Vandal hold up to their predecessors i'm excited yeah all right i'm gonna say good night to everybody thank you for listening uh join our contest you can post your halloween costumes facebook.com slash post wrestling and we will see you at the double shot